today we're going to deal with the subject of can I really hear God speak? I hear people in the body of Christ so many times say, well, I know you hear him, Pastor, but I, I, God just doesn't talk to me. I'm not hearing from God. I, does, God doesn't speak to anymore like he used to. Well, we're going to answer that question. Can I really hear God speak? Poke your neighbor and say, can you really hear God speak? Poke your other neighbor and say, can I really hear God speak? Well, the answer to that is going to be a big yes. But if you will turn to John chapter 10, John chapter 10, verse 27, and we're going to read just one verse of Scripture today. And then, um, and if you will stand for the reading of God's Word, I'm reading from the New King James Version. And I've got a challenge at the end of this service for you, a challenge God has put on my heart for several weeks now. In prayer, in the prayer closet, in prayer and fasting, God put this on me, and I'm going to give you a challenge at the end of this message. So, uh, poke your neighbor and say, there's a challenge coming. Amen. That's right. Amen. So, John chapter 10, verse 27. Uh, if you've got it, shout out a good amen. It's on the overhead on the screen. It says, my sheep hear my... It doesn't say my sheep hear my promptings. It doesn't say my sheep hear my leadings. It says my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. How do we know that we know him we we know him when we keep his commands first john 2 answers that and they follow me follow me there in the greek means walk in the same path as christ so my sheep hear my voice he knows us because we keep his commandments and we follow him we walk in the same path he walked we walk according to the scriptures and the word of god those are the first two prerequisites for us to really hear from god continually so uh, God is going to speak to you right now through this word, and God is going to continue to speak, and we're going to have ears to hear what he says, amen? So if you will hold your Bibles up in the air in whatever form, if they're on a phone or uh, on the screen, and, and let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to speak to me today. I ask you to open my ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. And today, Lord... I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. Father, anoint me to speak forth your word in spirit and truth and power and in might, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and deed. Father, straight from your throne into our hearts and into our ears. God, inspire us and challenge us and encourage us today that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt you still speak and we can hear you. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. High five two, three people as you're being seated. And say, you're about to hear from God. Amen. If you go to the uh, uh, Capitol in Washington, D.C., and you're on a tour, there in the Rotunda in Statuary Hall, there will be a place where the tour guide will tell you, stand here. Now, there's, there's people all in there. I mean, it's a crowded place. It's a very noisy. And he'll say, watch this. And he'll go stand in a certain spot, and he'll speak almost at a whisper level, and it's amazing. It sounds as if he's whispering right in your ears. Anybody ever been a part of that tour before? You've, okay, there's a few of you. It's amazing what happens. 
something about the acoustics of the rotunda, you can get on one side and they can speak very low, a very low voice in the midst of all the crowd of people. And you stand in a certain spot and you can hear it. It's like they're right next to you, even though they're several yards from you. And it's just an acoustic uh, a miracle, really, is what it is of the sound and how that works in there. What's neat is John Quincy Adams back in the day had his desk in the spot where you could hear that. And he used to pretend when he was a house member that he was working and he would be overhearing the private conversations of the other political party. And all the little things they were doing, they were whispering to each other. He could hear them loud and clear. And he knew what was going on. It's a true story. They actually have a plaque made in the floor now of where his desk used to be. He could hear over the noise of everything else. He could very hearly clear the voice of those around him speaking, speaking quietly. God wants us to be able to hear his whisper in the midst of all the noise in this world. In the midst of all of the things that are grabbing our attention. In the midst of all of the things that are biting for our time and our attention. He wants us to be able to hear that still, small voice and say, whoa, whoa, God is speaking to me. Amen. The God of the universe wants to and, and invites us to enjoy a relationship with Him. A relationship where we speak and He listens to us. A relationship where He speaks and we listen to Him. Not a monologue, but a dialogue. He speaks, we listen, we speak, He listens. A personal relationship with the God of the universe. That's what this is all about. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Someone shout amen. Deuteronomy 8.3 says it this way. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, or proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. That is a futuristic, that's an ongoing thing there. That proceedeth is the King James Version. That proceeds is the New King James Version. That comes forth, that means every day. We should be hearing from the Word of God. We should be hearing the voice of God. We should be hearing God speak to us. And God will do that. Point number one is simply this. God still speaks today. Poke your neighbor say, God still speaks today. Look, the pattern is established throughout Scripture that God communicates with His people. God communicated with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God communicated with Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God communicated with Moses and Isaac and, 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 or, and Isaiah and, and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Hosea and the other prophets. He spoke to both men and women. Deborah and Ruth, many women in the Bible heard very clearly the voice of God. So in, 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 in all different ages, Jeremiah, he said, man, I can't go do what you're saying. I'm but a youth. And God said, hey, don't let anybody look down on your youth. Paul encouraged Timothy not to let anybody look down on their youth. So it doesn't matter the age, whether young or old or the gender, whether male or female. It doesn't matter. God still speaks today. In the New Testament, he spoke to Mary and Peter and Paul and James and Jude. And the list could go on, John, on the Isle of Patmos. And I want to tell you, in the time since the Bible days, God hasn't gotten laryngitis. He still speaks. Listen, he hasn't decided to change his nature and become mute. There's a wrong teaching out there that says, well, God ever said everything he's ever going to say through the word of God. No, he didn't. Yes, the word of God is the written word of God. It's the spoken word of God. But he still speaks. One minister was on an airplane, 
And he was talking to a guy, and, and he, the guy said, hey, what do you do? He said, well, I'm a university president. God just spoke to me and said, go do this. He said, God still speaks. God said everything he's going to say in the Bible. He said, really? He said, what do you do? He said, I pastor a church. He said, yeah. He said, how'd you know to go pastor? He couldn't answer his own question. You, God still speaks. He's not ever going to speak to violate his word, but he does still speak outside of the written word of God. When I say outside, not, not the verse by verse, he never will violate what's in the word, but he'll speak. How else are you going to get direction? What job to take? Who to marry? Where to go? What to do? He guides and he leads and he speaks those things. Somebody shout amen. He still speaks today, but the question is, are we listening? See, hearing God's voice is not about something we do. Rather, it's about someone we are. We are his sheep, and the sheep hear their shepherds. An amazing things happens when you get a bunch of sheep and shepherds together in one group. The shepherds will come together sometimes to talk for a little while. They'll have lunch, whatever you. They'll converse with another shepherd. The sheep get together and they just, they're eating. When the shepherd gets ready to leave, he will make a call. And what's fascinating is that his sheep and only his sheep will come out of that flock and follow him. Another shepherd's sheep will not move. Only that shepherd's sheep. If it's that way in the natural, guess what? It's the same way in the spiritual. Do we hear the voice of God? Hearing God's voice is something we were designed to do, right? Our ability to hear God is innate. If something is innate, that means it's part of our instinct. Hearing God comes naturally to believers. When you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it becomes something natural inside of us to hear the voice of God. We are born with the born again with the innate ability to hear our shepherd. It is part of our DNA. It is part of a sheep's DNA to hear the shepherd's voice. It is part of our DNA to hear our shepherd's voice, which is Jesus Christ. Look, lions aren't born with this. Alligators aren't born with this. Elephants aren't born with this. Only sheep are born with this as far as an animal goes. As far as following the shepherd so much. The Bible calls us sheep, and the sheep instinct is true of all of us when we become Christians. We innately begin to hear, oh, that's God speaking. Oh, that's the voice of God. Hallelujah. We're born with the ability to hear God speak. Think about it. The God of the universe that, that created everything you see. The God who is so majestic and powerful has created us to hear His voice. We're not in this alone. Why is that important? We're not in this alone. We don't have to figure out life by ourselves. We don't have to roll the dice and hope we hit on a 7 or an 11. We can ask God and He will speak and lead us. Hallelujah. Our ability to hear from God is also learned. Look, if we're born with the innate ability to hear from God and hear His voice, why do we need to learn how? Well, it's no different than the disciples knew how to pray, but they asked Jesus in Luke 11 and Matthew 6, teach us to pray. In other words, we know how to pray, but teach us how to pray better. Amen? And I want to tell you, the best way you can pray is always pray the Scriptures. Pray the Word of God. That's a prayer that will get answered every single time. Amen? 
We are born with the ability to hear that voice. Even though we can instantly pray as believers, we can also learn to pray. And over time, watch this, over time, we will gradually learn the ebbs and flows of the second part of prayer, which is listening to the voice of God and hearing Him. Prayer cannot be just, let me just dump all my needs and wants and wishes and all that on God and then run out the door. We've got to have time where we're quiet, we listen. One of the greatest ways to hear the voice of God is through the Word. But He also speaks in addition to that. Amen? He will speak to you. Just shout out, say, He will speak to me. Man, church is about so much more than some religious thing we do on a Sunday to make ourselves feel better. It's about a relationship, ongoing, uh, conversial relationship with the God of the universe. Wow. Our ability to hear from God can also mature. So what happens when a child begins to talk? What do they do? You know, they first start off ga-ga-goo-goo. And then what do they do? It's, it's dada and it's mama. But look, if you're 25 years old and you're still talking like that, we're going to have a special prayer for you this morning. <laughs> Why? Because we've expected you at your age to mature. Right? You're, you're 35. You can't be talking like that anymore. Amen? In the same way that a child matures and they're talking to God, we mature and are talking to God. In the same way a child matures from rolling to rolling over to crawling to standing to finally walking and then running and so forth is the same way we mature in our walk with God. The same way that you can tell an infant at seven months old all you want not to do something, they don't have any idea what you're saying. They're going to do what they want anyways, right? But as they mature, right, you begin to help them understand, look, this is my house and you're going to play by my rules, amen? And we're going to have World War III. And what happens, they, as they mature, they begin to listen. And you hope, dear God, you hope by the time they're in college they've learned to listen, amen? And so, you, so they mature. You expect as they've grown that they mature into hearing your voice and hearing what you're saying. In the same way, God expects us as we walk with Him. And when we're in church, we're supposed to be maturing in our hearing from God. It's the same way we can't get born again tomorrow and instantly know it all. We've got to grow in the kingdom of God. We've got to grow through our adolescence in Christ and Christianity until we become full mature believers. So I want to tell you, I want to encourage you, keep striving, keep growing, keep maturing, keep asking God, Lord, teach me your voice. When I first started learning the voice of God, I would say, God, speak to me and let me know it's you. And little things would happen. I would get to ready to go out of the house and he would say, hey, Hey, you know, grab this. Oh, I've already got it. Well, I'd get in the car and go, and I realized I didn't have it. And I started saying, oh, that was God. And God started teaching me his voice and discerning the difference between his voice, my voice, and the devil's voice. Right? Our listening skills need to improve, and we need to learn to discern the difference between his voice, our voice, and the devil's voice. So here's the question. Why hear from God? Well, let's say I have a friend in the hospital. And he's been in the hospital a few days, and he's bored. He says, hey, will you bring me by some books? Sure, no problem. And I take, a, uh, I take a little satchel of books, and I drop them at the front desk. I write out a little note. Hey, man, here's, here's your books, uh, and I'll be praying for you. And I take off, and that's all. 
Or the second way, I can stop by, I can bring him a bag of books, I can bring crossroad puzzles, I can bring some videos. We can sit and we can talk and converse. I'll talk, he listens, he talks, I listen. We'll spend a half day together, we'll pray together, we'll share the word together, right? And so there's two different ways that you can do that to accomplish the same thing. My question to you is, which one would you say, which scenario indicates a deeper level of friendship? Well, of course, the second one. It's not necessarily that if I practice the first one that I'm a bad friend necessarily. It just means maybe my friendship is limited. Maybe the friendship is strained or maybe it's superficial or maybe it's shallow or what have you. But with the second one, it's obviously rich and it's deep and it's vibrant and it's healthy and it's, and it's full of life. So I have a question for you, a statement and a question. Guess which kind of friendship God desires with us? Which one is more like your relationship with God? Do you stop by on a Sunday morning, sing a song, bring an offering, wave at Him and say, see you in two weeks? Dropping books off at the front counter of the hospital saying, hey, I'll say a prayer, see you in a couple of weeks, God. Or do you have an ongoing daily relationship with Him where you walk with Him you talk with him, you fellowship with him, you're hand in hand, you're talking, he's listening, he's talking, you're listening kind of relationship. Which one represents your relationship with God? Why do we need to hear from God anyways? I mean, what's our motivation for wanting to hear the voice of God? And it's about communion, it's about friendship. Everybody say, he's my friend. John 2, 23 says, we are a friend of God. Now, God is transcendent and eminent. I'm going to use some big words here for a minute. Transcendent and eminent. What in the world does that mean? That means he is transcendent. God is higher than us. How many agree with that? He's greater and higher than us. Eminent, though, means he's also close to us. So how can you be higher than me and greater than me but close to me at the same time? Well, for you old-timers, you've probably seen this picture. Um, and if you're not even an old-timer, you know, how many remember this picture, right? John F. Kennedy, President of the United States, working in the Oval Office with John Jr. peeking out, playing under the desk, right? This is a beautiful picture of God the Father's relationship with us. Leave this up for just a moment. What do you mean by that, Pastor? All right. On one hand, you have arguably the most powerful person in the United States, in the President of the United States. You have dignitaries that line up to see them. You have very few Americans that can just show up. You, go ahead and try making an appointment with the president and see how far it gets you. You can't just walk into his office. He is a person of power. He's a person of decision. Whether you like his politics or not, change, who doesn't matter, take the man out. I'm just talking about the office. It carries with it power. It carries with it transcendence. Whether we like it or not, you say he's one of us. That's true, but he's also higher than us. He can make decisions we can't make. He can do things we can't do, right? He is up there. Yet the president in this picture, while he's sitting there doing his work, he is close enough to his son that his son can approach him anytime he wants. What a picture of God the Father who sits in heaven higher and mightier than all of us, greater than all of us with all the power. But he's also close enough that we can, so to speak, play under the desk of heaven. Amen. I love this. It shows how approachable and how powerful he is, but how approachable he is. How many of you know he is powerful, but he's also approachable? 
Right? There is power in God the Father's position. There is power in His character. And we better remember and know who it is we're speaking to. But He's also close to His children. Most Americans can't get an appointment with the president, yet his son's playing under his desk while he's signing important documents. How powerful is that of a picture of us with God the Father? We are his children, like she's saying. I am a child of God. That means I have access to God the Father. Hallelujah. He's not some way out there cosmic guy with a belt in his hand ready to get you good for messing up. He's not unapproachable. He's not scary like he was in the Old Testament. Ooh, Moses, you go. We don't want to get near that guy. No, he's approachable. John Jr. doesn't look scared in this picture. And we shouldn't be scared either. He's a loving, gracious, merciful God. Look, we always need to keep in mind the greatness of the person to whom we're talking and referring to. But at the same time, never forget, God didn't just drop off a bag of books at at the doorway of heaven, at the desk of heaven, 66 of them called the Bible, take off and say, see you later, hope it works out well for you. He's not that kind of friend. He's the kind of friend that brings the bag of books, comes to your room and says, hey, let's hang out. Let's do crossword puzzles. Let's talk. Let's converse. Let's watch some videos, right? Let's hang out. He is the kind of God that wants to be with you at work, in your home, in the car, everywhere you go. Wow. God doesn't, point number two, speak to robots. Some people think God speaking to them is like the voice on the GPS. Like the English speaking voice on the GPS. Turn right. In a hundred yards. Turn left. Recalculating. Make a U-turn. You know. We think God's some mechanical thing. There are some Christians that view God's relationship with them as someone who is talking to them like a GPS. Look, the GPS isn't actually talking to you. It's responding to your commands. It's pre-programmed, right? There's nobody on God's green earth, I hope, that thinks that the GPS is actually talking to them. You hit a button, it's pre-programmed, it talks, but it's not really talking with you. It's just talking at you. It's, it's a program, it's a machine. And like a computer, what do we do? We press, we press keys, we click a mouse, and then it does whatever it's supposed to. God did not create us to have a relationship like that. God doesn't view us like some machine or robot. God views us as a human being, Amen. The GPS will always just do what it's programmed to do. But if you're lost, somebody yesterday asked me, they were over in Loveland, and they said, hey, where's Pfeiffer Road? I said, well, you didn't hear it. And I started giving them directions to go there. That is different than them punching it in a GPS. Listen, that's the way it's supposed to be with God. We're not machines, and he's not a machine. He's a person. We're a person. We are to have conversation. Hallelujah. God, God did not create robots. He created children. And, it, and, and he did not. There's no lines and mazes to navigate in order to talk to our Heavenly Father. He invites us to come anytime. Look in the book of uh, uh, Genesis. In Genesis 18. Watch this. Abraham. 
I want you to see him talking with God here. Watch this. The men turned away and towards Sodom. So, so Abraham and, and, and God, basically, and angels are having a conversation. But Abraham remained standing before the Lord. He's talking to God. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? I mean, wow. What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? And you may know the story. Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? So what is he really doing here? Abraham is really reminding himself here of God's character. He's having a conversation with him. But watch verse 27 and 28. This is a great example of transcendence. He's higher than us, but he's also eminent. He's close to us. Watch what Abraham said. Then Abraham spoke up again. Now that I have been so bold to speak to the Lord. In other words, I know my place. You are God and I am not. Though I am nothing but dust and ashes. What if the number of the righteous is five less than 50? Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five people? If I find 45 there, he said, I will not destroy it. And it goes down to 10. The point I want to make is Abraham acknowledged the sheer audacity of approaching God. But yet he also knew God was close enough that he was approachable. Look, we have to understand that God is our friend. But we also got to know that God is also God. We need to be careful how we approach him and the humility we come to him for. And not shake our finger and say, you should have and how dare you. We have to remember who we are because God can take our breath tomorrow. He can take it this fast. But we also know, remember, it's not to be feared. We can come close to him. Somebody shout amen. I'm trying to explain this the best way I can. We need to talk to God. And that's point number three. God speaks to people. Poke your neighbor and say, are you a person? Well, yes, you are. You're not a machine. And now poke them back and say, God speaks to you. Remember, God spoke to a Adam and Eve in the cool of the, uh, of the garden. Right? In the cool of the day in the garden. He spoke to no Moses and Noah and all the people in the Old Testament. He spoke to new, in the New Testament, Peter, Paul, and James. Check this out. God even spoke in the beginning chapters of Acts chapter 10 to Cornelius. And Cornelius didn't even have a covenant with him yet. That's how much God loves us and wants to speak to us. He came down and he had a conversation with Cornelius, a Roman centurion who at that point in early part of Acts 10 was not even saved. Now, if you're saved, how much more will God want to speak to you? Wow. That's how much God cares for people. He is constantly speaking, but are we listening? How many of you have ever raised a teenager? How many of you wonderful parents have ever said, stop, look me in the eyeballs, and listen to me? Anybody ever been there? I asked you to do these two things. I, I learn, I'm learning. Don't give more than one command at a time because they just can't handle it. <laughs> You're lucky if you can do one thing at a time. Amen. Watch this. John chapter 16, verse 12 through 13. Check this out. I have much more to what? 
This is Jesus speaking. More than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, talking about the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Wow. He will not speak on his own. He will speak. Just stop right there. He will speak. Everybody say he will speak. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. How many times in those two verses there does it say God wants to speak to us? He said the Holy Spirit is going to speak. I have a question. Where's God the Father? In heaven. Where's Jesus? Right hand of the Father. So who's the God on earth speaking to us? Just said it right there in John 16. Who's the one that's going to lead us into all truth? Holy Spirit. Who's going to tell us things to come? Who's going to speak to us? Who's going to have a relationship with us? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. He's not, it's, it's, it's the same God. It's just three different persons. So watch this, 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved. Everybody say moved. Moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. That word moved there in the Greek, uh, it's, it means like a, like a, a cattle drive, like, the, like you're... Like you're being moved and you have no authority to stop it. And you're, it's something moving you and you really can't stop it. Now your personality's in there. It's the same Greek word. That's how it says that they were spoken to. Uh, that wrote the pen, the, 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 the words to the Bible. It's the same Greek word found in Acts 27, 15. When the Bible says that Paul and them were in a ship. And the wind moved their ship and they let her go. Because they couldn't stop. They were at the mercy of the wind. I want to tell you, we can hear the voice of God. He will move in us and speak to us in such a way that we hear Him clearly and we know it's Him. Yes. In 1 Kings 19, we talked a few weeks ago about, uh, help for, is there help for me? I'm depressed. And how when God came down, there was, there was wind blowing and there was earthquakes and there was fire. And, 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 but God wasn't in that. And then the still small voice of God. And Elijah said, oh, that's God. And he walked out to hear what God had to say. When God speaks to you today, what are the chances he's not going to come to you in a big, booming Charlton Heston voice? Chances are he's not going to say, Sonny Feck, this is God speaking. Yeah, I hear you. No, he's, he's going to speak to you in that still, small voice. And you've got to know his voice to the point that you can hear his voice over the crowd of other noises. Let me ask you something. How many of you parents can be in a crowded spot, a crowded mall, crowded whatever, and there's, or maybe a kid's birthday party, and there's kids running everywhere, but you hear dad, and it's like, doo -doo 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 -doo, that's my son. How many of you are like that? Or, or you're a mom. I can, I, I, that's my child's voice. I can tell you. Just as you can pick your child's voice out of a hundred other children without even seeing them. God wants us to hear his voice out of thousands of people. And no, stop the presses, that's God. Wow. God speaks to his friends. Look, Exodus 33, 11. The Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to a friend. In John 2, 23, we're called the friend of God. He wants to be our friend. But listen, if we don't grasp that he wants to be our friend and communicate with us every day, then the only time we'll go to God and talk to him is when we want something, we have a problem, or we need an answer to a question. Friendship with God is an awesome privilege and a responsibility not to be taken lightly. 
Look what John 15, 15 says. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you for everything I've learned from my father I have made known to you. Hearing from God's voice, how do we do it? The best way to do it is hear from the Bible. Do you want to start hearing God's voice? How many want to hear the voice of God? Right? Well, start by reading your Bible. Psalm 119, 105 says it this way. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. John 1, 5. The light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Remember, you bring the light in, the light dispels the darkness. You turn the lights on, the cockroaches scatter, right? So read the Bible with your heart wide open in prayer and communion with God. Pray like this before you read the Bible. Lord Jesus, what are you saying in your word about yourself to me? How does this passage teach me to love you and love others more? How does this passage apply to me? Psalm 119, 18. I pray it every time I, before I read my Bible. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law, the word. Luke 24, 45. Jesus, then he, Jesus, opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. I pray that before I read. God, open my mind to understand what I'm reading. We need to pray. That's praying the word. How many of you know if you pray the word, God answers that? Somebody say amen. So how do we hear a personal word from God? I mean, I mean, you can read the Bible and, and know God is speaking from within the scriptures. But how do you know it's for a particular situation, right? Should we just plunk our finger down on the page and say, well, that was God right there? Now, there's many who try this method, but it's risky. All right, so there's an old joke about a guy that was desperate to hear from God. And he said, God... I'm going to just flip through the Bible with my eyes closed. I'm going to stop, pluck my finger down, and what you, where it lands, that's what I'm going to go do. So, man, they flipped through the pages. It landed. He hit his finger down. He opened his eyes, and he gasped because it said Judas went out and hanged himself. He thought, something's got to be wrong with this system here. So he closed his eyes again. He flipped through the pages. He said, God, I need to hear from you. He plunked his finger down. He opened his eyes. He said, what you do, go do quickly. He said, whoa, by now he's sweating and he's shuddering. He said, we'll give it one more shot. He flung the pages of the Bible. He plucked his finger down. He opened up. He said, go and do likewise. I want to tell you, be careful with the plunk the finger down just anywhere in the Bible. Amen. One man was struggling in his business. And a colleague said, why don't you go to this seminar? This guy's been really, this, this guy's business has been really great. And he, it's really worked out well. And. Um, he's going to teach us about hearing from God. So he thought, well, okay, I'll go try. So the guy said, well, here's how I got, here's how I did it. I just thought, God, speak to me. And he said, I flipped the pages of the Bible, and he said, I put my finger down, it said cattle. He said, I went in the cattle business. He said, after a few years, that was doing well. He said, I did it again. I flipped the pages and plunked my finger down, it said oil. So I went in the oil business. He said, man, that's, I don't know, it's just all worked out for me. So the guy went home, hopeful. He thought, well, let me try it out. Man, he flipped through the Bible pages he plunked his finger down it said chapter 11 that's not good for somebody with a business amen that's bankruptcy here look there's a much better method than to plunk your finger down and hope that it all works out kind of shooting craps at the crap table amen first thing you need to know is psalm 119 89 says this your word lord is eternal it stands firm in the heavens. Psalm 92 says God is timeless from everlasting to ever, everlasting. That means when God spoke something to you to in the Bible 3,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, that it's still true today. 
We can read a verse in the Bible that was written thousands of years ago, and it's still the spoken word of God to us today. His word is eternal. However, we do need to take into account the historical and the cultural context of a specific passage of Scripture. Right? So, we are, even though in the Old Testament it says go get you some, some bulls and goats and go slice their throat and shed blood at the temple, we don't do that anymore. Why? Because the New Testament in Hebrews says a better sacrifice was made in Jesus Christ. The real sacrifice, right? So because the New Testament says a better sacrifice in Hebrews was made, we discount the old because that was for that culture and that time prior to Jesus. So here's the rule of thumb. The New Testament is absolutely our governing rule of law. If the Old Testament lines up with the New Testament, great. If it doesn't, we understand it was for that culture that day and that age. Amen? Now, the New Testament is our governing rule of law. So here's some practical tips for you in closing for hearing God to speak to you through the word. Number one is enter into his presence. Everybody just say enter into his presence. Well, when we want to hear God's voice, spend some time worshiping. Spend some time praying. God, speak to me. When you sense God's presence, open the Bible and begin to read and say, God, what do you have to say to me today? Open my eyes to see wonderful things from your word. Open my mind to understand the scriptures. As scriptures, uh, thoughts run through your mind, don't ignore the context of the passage. We must take things in context of which they were written. That is when you will begin to say, God, speak, and you will hear the voice of God. Also, read in a logical place in the Bible. Look, if you're in a Bible daily reading plan, there's nothing wrong with reading through the Bible like that. That's perfectly acceptable. But sometimes you need a word from God for a specific situation. Pray, and when you're praying, a scripture will come to your mind. A, a book of the Bible will come to your mind. Don't discount that as my thoughts. Go read that, what it's saying. And many times that is God speaking through His Word. At this point, the passage of Scripture will come to mind and he will speak. Ask the Lord in prayer. God, what do you want me to see from this passage? What is your word for me here, Lord? Read the Bible every day. Get in the habit of hearing the general word of God through his word every day so that when you need a specific word from God, it's much easier to recognize and hear his voice. I know Holly's voice because I spend time every day with her. I know my children's voice because I, when they were in the house, at least the older ones, I, I, we talked every day. You, the people you're around, you know their voice. If you get in the habit of hearing God speak to you, he will speak to you specifically. He really will. Someone say amen. So have you been hearing from God in closing? Do you want to hear from God? Is something in your life say, I really want to hear God speak. I really want to hear from Him. If you're not hearing from God, go back to the last place He spoke to you and ask yourself, did I obey what He said? If you did not, go back and do what He said, and I promise you'll start hearing from Him again. God wants to speak. So, in closing, before we pray, I've got a challenge for you. Everybody say a challenge. The Lord dropped this in my spirit when I was praying one day. And when you go through all the line, does it line up with the word? It lines up with the word. Is it anti the word or anti God's character or anti anything that God says? Well, no, it's not. Here's, here's what I want to challenge you. Years ago when I was 
in Bible class in college, I'll never forget one of the greatest things I ever learned. And I, just give me your attention for just a minute. Um, the Bible professor, he said, listen, he said, so many people get scriptures out of context. So they'll read Matthew 6 today, they'll read Luke this tomorrow, Genesis, and they bounce around everywhere. And they never really read in context of which the author in that particular book is trying to convey a thought. For example, in the book of Matthew, there's a great emphasis on Jesus as king. You'll see it. There's a common theme going through Matthew. He's king, he's king, he's king, he's king. In Mark, there's a common theme. He's the suffering servant. In Luke, he's the son of man or the savior of mankind. In John, he's the son of God. There's a different emphasis. Same scripture, but you catch it when you stay in that one book. And so here's what he said I want you to do. And this is what I felt the Lord really put on my spirit to challenge you with. And what you see on the overhead, I've got papers we're going to give to you. The Lord wanted me to challenge you like I was challenged. He said, listen. I want you to go. We were studying the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels means the similar. Synoptic means similar. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are very similar. John is very different. So we were in a class one whole semester for nothing but Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sit down in one reading from Matthew 1 to Matthew 28 and read it without stopping. If you need to go to the bathroom, get up, go to the bathroom, go right back to reading. Don't stop to eat. Eat something beforehand. Don't have your phone on. Don't get distracted. Don't mix it up. Well, I'll read five chapters today and ten tomorrow. He said, it's going to take you an hour and a half, two hours. But he said, I want you to start in Matthew 1 and do not stop till you finish Matthew 28. He said, the Bible will come to life to you in a way you've never thought possible. God will speak in ways you never, you will understand the context. See, we put chapters and verses in there, so we stop. But that's like getting a letter from a loved one and stopping mid-letter. The Bible was written as letters. It's one long, continuous letter. We, we put chapters and verses to make it easier. The writers didn't. It was just one long letter. And I'm telling you, I learned things. I learned things from the Bible. I never, it just stuff came to life to me in a way I couldn't believe. Because I sat down and read one continual letter. So here's the challenge God put on my heart. Uh, actually, it was in Israel. And it just it kept pervading over and over. And I haven't been able to get away from it for about a month now. And that is for the next 27 weeks, there's 27 books in the New Testament. To take one book a week and just one time during the week sit down and read it from cover to cover. Now Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are going to take a little more time than Philemon. Philemon's one chapter. You, you'll do that one no problem. Amen? And you don't have to do this. But I know the Lord well enough to know if He challenges us, it's He's wanting to speak something to us. Sit down in one setting just one time this week. You'll see it right here. I've got the instructions for you if you're willing and you want. Each week you'll read one book in the New Testament in its entirety. Pick one day to read through the book in one setting. No distractions, no breaks. This week we're going to do Matthew. It's up to you. But get somewhere quiet. If you have children at home, make sure they're asleep and there's no, you know, mommy, mommy, I need this, I need that. Don't Get your place where you can be quiet and you can read. And I promise you, if you'll pray, God, speak to me. Oh, I, I feel the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I promise you, God will speak to you in a way you've never heard of Him before. I am challenge you to read the Bible in a way maybe you've never had before. I promise you will catch the context of that book in a way you've never seen before. If you'll take the challenge, God will do it. Amen.
So I'm going to get papers. We're going to hand them out. This week we're doing Matthew. All I want you to do is just read it in its entirety one time. Pick a time at night. Pick a time in the morning of the day. Whatever you can sit down and think you can read 28 chapters in one setting. You say, I can't do it. I can't. You can do it. It's going to take a little discipline. But you can do it. And I'm telling you, you get ready because God's going to speak to you. God's going to speak to you. I believe there's, in, in the name of Jesus, there's going to be rhema words come off the pages into your spirit. It's going to jump off the pages into your spirit. And God's going to answer some questions you've been longing to hear from. If you'll sit and you'll, and you'll read through each book each week, you'll have an understanding of the New Testament like you've never had before. You'll get that in your spirit in such a way that it'll explode in you. It'll create such a hunger in you, you won't want to stop reading the Word of God. Man, I, I feel the prophetic Word of God. The Lord is calling us. He's challenging us. Will you take the challenge? I'm going to do it. Amen. Now, here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to stand to your feet, if you will. I'm not going to ask you to make vows or any of that. You know in your heart whether you want to do this or not. I'm going to do it. I can promise you I'll be doing this. 